Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Under 100 yards offensively, Nick. What do you have to do to change it? Well, we got to do something. I mean, we just can't move the ball effectively. We haven't been able to throw it effectively at all. Think about Loa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Here with Jalen Hurts. Jalen, you've just been shaking your head. You've had that smile on your face. Your reaction when you found out Tua was going to start the second half, honestly. He, he was going to step in and do his thing. You know, we, we have a lot of guys in the QB room that, that play really well, and he just stepped in and did his thing. Did, did his thing for the team. It feels like yesterday, but when you rewatch that 2018 college football playoff national championship game, 26-23 win by Alabama over Georgia, you're reminded just how quickly time has flown by. Think about this. Tua Tungavailoa was Alabama's freshman backup quarterback. Fresh legs, an untapped left arm, a stripe of yellow streaked through his hair. Jalen Hurts was just a sophomore, but he entered that game 26-2 as a starter. The players who'd become the greatest receiving trio in college football history, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Devontae Smith, were bit players in Alabama's offensive attack, until the second half at least, letting Calvin Ridley do most of the legwork. This was the last of Alabama's teams built in the traditional Nick Saban sense. The number one defense in the country and an offense that, though it was trying to get with the times, was still much more run past than vice versa. And it was limited, frankly, with what Jalen Hurts could do. Think about the passing game was a one-man show to Calvin Ridley. He had 63 catches that year. That's more than the next four receivers combined. Hertz and Tua, who got decent playing time that season, combined to complete 203 passes in 2017. The next season, 2018, when Tua had the job all to himself, he would complete 245 passes just on his own. Think about Georgia. For the Bulldogs, Jake Fromm, this was when he had caught everybody by surprise. Expected to be the gap year quarterback between the bazooka-armed Jacob Eason and the prodigy recruit Justin Fields, Fromm was just a capable game manager who got to hand the ball off to a trio of future NFL running backs Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and a then-freshman DeAndre Swift from Philadelphia. Kirby Smart's Bulldogs had arrived a bit ahead of schedule the year before they had won the Liberty Bowl, but they were riding, just like Alabama, a superb defense and a superb rushing attack. And that, plus Fromm's steadiness, helped overcome losing Jacob Eason in Game 1. Talk about gaps, just in general, outside of Tuscaloosa. This game doesn't get much mention when we discuss contemporary classics. I wonder why that is. It had just about everything, and that's especially true when you rewatch it. You've got Saban versus Smart, Master versus Protege. You've got Alabama versus Georgia, which is Giant versus Sleeping Giant, Dynasty versus Dynasty Hopeful. You've got an Alabama comeback. They were down 13-0 at halftime. 
It had Tua coming alive. Maybe, well, not maybe, the best moment of his Alabama career. Maybe his peak of the Alabama career. You had Alabama's freshman revolution playing out in real time. Tua to Henry Ruggs for a touchdown. Tua to Judy for a big fourth down conversion. Left tackle Alex Leatherwood replacing an injured Jonah Williams. Najee Harris getting a lot of second half action. And then, of course, Tua shot to Devontae Smith on second and 26 in overtime to walk it off. Those guys were all members of a 2017 recruiting class that ranked number one and will go down among the best recruiting classes ever. And then after the game, you had Jalen Hurts' graceful handling of the entire situation, which endeared himself to just about every college football fan in the country and cemented his legacy as this generation's Tim Tebow around forever, impossible to impugn, and maybe wired a little bit differently. As these teams walked off the field in Atlanta, the suggestion that Alabama would not win a national title in the rest of Tua's time, or that he would not win a Heisman, or that Georgia would not even make the playoff again under Jake Fromm, well, that would have been rooted in statistical likelihood, but it would have been considered silly because this was Alabama. And this was a Georgia team that was a month away from signing the number one class in the country and had so many talented young pieces from its 2017 class. Just like Alabama, that 2017 class for Georgia was loaded. Jake Fromm, DeAndre Swift, tackles Andrew Thomas, who started in this title game and will be a first-round pick. Isaiah Wilson, offensive tackle. Jeremiah Holloman, Richard LeCount, Monty Rice, Eric Stokes. This is the game you point to when you want to tell people why recruiting matters. Because there's true freshmen everywhere, including a quarterback. And now they've all grown up. And they're all about to be picked in the NFL draft on April 23rd, which means this is the perfect time for us to rewind this game on the College Football Daily. And by the way, hello, and I'm Trey Scott. So in our series of conversations about this game, I've got two conversations to air with you guys. We're first going to start with Travis Ryer of Bama Online, who says the buzz to get to his moment came months before Jalen Hurts had limped to a 3-8 first half. Bringing in Travis Ryer now. Travis, I was re-watching the game, and in his halftime interview, Nick Saban says, we got to do something. And, you know, uh, those of us watching on TV, we kind of we kind of knew, yeah, that probably means bringing in Tua Tungavailoa. For those of you in the press box, when was the gro- when, when did the sentiments start to begin that a quarterback change might need to happen? Well, probably as the second quarter came to a close. I mean, Jalen at that point going into the half is three of eight for 21 yards and Alabama is in a position of being two full scores down and not a team that throughout that season even with Jalen playing at a pretty high level that was built for that well it wasn't built for that unless it did what it had to do with Nick Saban going to Tuatanga Bailoa there because to maximize all those weapons on the outside and I think people forget about this too because it was Devontae Smith who made the iconic grab there in overtime. Uh, Henry Ruggs III also had a touchdown catch there uh, in that third quarter, uh, really helped get Alabama going there. But, I mean, you still had guys like Calvin Ridley in that rotation. So we talk about, like, Jalen Waddell and Devontae and Judy and uh, Ruggs from the last year or two, but you had Calvin Ridley to go along with Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs III. Uh, Robert Robert Foster's a guy who's been in the NFL for a couple of years now at the wide receiver position. So 
you're down 13 to nothing with all these weapons. And we had seen enough, even going back to the spring game in April of that year. You know, Tua threw for over 300 yards in his first spring game. So he was no secret by that point. And there had actually been some rumblings leading up into the playoff that you may see Tua scripted in to some of the stuff against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. It didn't happen. They didn't really need to do it. They were so dominant on the defensive side. But so at 13 to nothing and, you know, kind of given what this team had to work with uh, at the skill positions, uh, it, it didn't come as a huge shock to see Tua in there to start the third quarter. You mentioned rumblings. Let's take it back even further, uh, you know, maybe even before Tua's A-day or A-game performance. So he's a he's a five-star recruit. Jalen Hurts is coming off of this, you know, breakthrough true freshman season that very few people saw coming. I, I But Jalen kind of breaks through. Jalen's the guy. Sort of a spotty game in the title game against Clemson, right? Like he, he mm-hmm. could have eventually he, he had what could have been the game winner, but also inconsistent a bit as a passer. How long did it take you to sort of get on the bandwagon or the the school of thought that Tua might be an upgrade over Jalen if you if you did get on that at all? Because I remember in that spring game or even after the title game, given the 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 pedigree at which Tua was coming in, there there was some some word that Tua might be the guy, and that was even in the summer. Yeah, even the A Day game that I go back to in that first spring as an early enrollee. I mean you understood what Jalen brought to the table. I mean, Jalen was the SEC Offensive Player of the Year as a true freshman in 2016. Now, a lot of that had to do with the RPO stuff and his ability with his legs and how he was able to do damage in that uh, particular aspect of his game. But if we're just talking passing ability, it it, it didn't take long. I mean, you you could see Tua was – uh, the word generational came up very quickly when you're talking about Alabama quarterbacks just throwing the football. That's what you saw immediately into it. And it wasn't just the spin or you know the arm strength or any of those things. It was what you hear so many draft analysts talking about in this lead up to uh, you know a week from Thursday night, and that's instincts and accuracy and uh, decisiveness. All those things were very apparent very quickly with Tua. And so you understood early that the gulf between Tua and Jalen as passers uh, was was pretty wide. It's pretty wild watching this game. Obviously, it was a great game. I don't know why it hasn't gotten – I don't want to say it hasn't gotten much love as like an all-time classic, but – uh, you know, it's probably down there. It's a little bit different, but I, I don't ever feel like at least in the last few years, it's been circulated about this classic uh, that, it, that it really is. As far as you've got this overtime finish, you've got a ton of talent on the field. You've got these great storylines. You've got a lot of young talent, which is even better. And then Tua, when you watch him, Travis, and like, it feels like this like triumphant breakout and it, in a way it's like, the, it's very, very fresh version of Tua. There's no injury concern here. You know, there's no storyline like that. He's just moving around the pocket and whipping his left arm. And it's just, it's awesome to watch. It feels like this seminal marquee to a Tungo Vailoa moment that like we might, it was like, we got that moment as a freshman and it kind of never really happened again as far as, you know, the national title game or anything like that. I wonder, have you rewatched this game and, you know, do you kind of see anything like that? I haven't watched it in a while, but 
Yes, I've rewatched it, and as much as we talk about Tua and what he was able to do throwing the football there in the second half and in overtime, it was one of the plays he made with his legs. I believe it was the second series of the third quarter, and he escapes some pressure, runs through a tackle or two. He ends up picking up nine, ten yards and converting a third down. It was a third and seven type play to a does it on his own, picks up nine yards, and then he follows that up with four straight completions. He goes four for four on the next four snaps. Uh, three of those, the final three of those, all went to Henry Ruggs third, including that crossing route in the back of the end zone uh, on a first and goal play uh, that went for a touchdown. And now we're talking about a 13-7 to game. And unfortunately for Georgia, that was the moment in the game when you felt like, uh-oh, the, he settled in now, and he's comfortable. Now, I say that, Tua came back a little bit later and made an awful decision over on the Georgia sideline while scrambling through an interception right there in front of the Georgia bench. But another play right after that that doesn't get talked about enough was Raquan Davis. The very next snap, he picks off Jake Fromm after Tua's interception and it goes from a situation where you know Alabama was very much on the ropes at 20 to 7 down at that point and for Davis to make that play and not only get the takeaway but to return it and put Alabama in a position to sort of steady things there uh Tua's heroics Devontae Smith's heroics they don't happen if if uh if Raquan Davis and the Alabama defense don't come up big there at, at the latter stages of the third quarter. Gotcha. What was the usage like uh, for, for Henry Ruggs who you just mentioned it and Jerry Judy that season, Devonte obviously had the, had the moment he's not in the, in this year's draft. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on him. Same with Najee or Alex Leatherwood, who are all these members of uh, a fantastic historic 2017 class that sort of had a breakthrough moment in this game. But you know, for Ruggs and Judy, were they big-time players at all in 2017, or were they just kind of spot guys? They were fourth and fifth guys because your starting trio that season, obviously you had Calvin Ridley as your wide receiver one. And then you had Robert Foster, who went on and has gone on to uh, make some plays for the Buffalo Bills in the National Football League. You also had Cam Sims. So you had a veteran wide receiver core with Ridley and Foster uh, and Cam Sims. So, you know, it was very much, and it worked out quite perfectly for Alabama because with Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy uh, and Henry Ruggs III in that second group, that meant they were spending a lot of time with Tua. And so with Tua in there in the second half and more of those true freshmen involved to go along with Tua and Najee too in that second half. You saw more of Najee Harris in the second half than you saw of Damian Harris in that game. So all of the time that they had gotten together, including a few of them even as early as the previous spring, also Alex Leatherwood has to come into the game, a part of that class, at left tackle because Jonah Williams very early in the third quarter goes out with an ankle injury. So you've got all these 2017 signees in there together that are a part of this incredible comeback. When you talk about left tackle, wide receiver, running back, and quarterback. Those are the guys that were on the field that were all true freshmen that night. That's insane. Did the fans spend 
any part of this 2017 season, the fall, the the build up to the playoff run, pining for more playing time. I mean, you mentioned fourth and fifth, and and those receivers were behind NFL guys, so I don't really know what you want to do there. But you know, more playing time for Najee. I know Tua was a topic because uh, I'm going to read a quote that Alex Leatherwood uh, said to 24/7 Sports's Chris Hummer. Uh, in November in a feature Chris wrote on on Alex. And it's kind of interesting about the 2017 class. Uh, I feel like the whole class, he says, was about to throw a coup out here. It was crazy. We were all mad about it. We weren't playing as much as we were supposed to. Pretty pissed off about it. But as, as the season went on, I guess we got over it. Unquote. Did you hear anything along those lines? Were fans on your message board wanting more 2017 action? I think there was certainly a groundswell that continued to form after that A-Day performance for Tua that really never slowed down. Uh, and and the thing was, whenever you saw Tua, whenever he really got an opportunity in games, it was just like, you know, touchdown pass, touchdown pass. And the same for the receivers. I mean, you go look at the catches to touchdown catch ratios for guys like Judy and Ruggs and Devontae Smith that season, yeah, they didn't get a lot of opportunities, but typically when they did, they scored touchdowns. And it's something they carried on over into the next two seasons, as we would learn as well. But there was certainly there were certainly calls for Tua. Uh, and I don't think any of that was quelled by the win over Clemson in the Sugar Bowl because that was not a pretty offensive performance. That was more about the defense just dominating Clemson on that night than anything else. So even with that win over Clemson going into Georgia, I think there were there were a lot of Alabama fans that were hopeful at least that if Jalen and the passing game didn't get it going, because, see, Alabama fans had seen this for a couple of years now in the postseason. Unfortunately for Jalen, as you know, his first couple of seasons wound down, uh, the, the passing game wound down with it. And so this wasn't something new that Alabama fans had seen. Uh, and they had seen just enough of Tua to know that he might be the elixir to what ailed that passing game. And that's exactly the way it turned out. This 2017 class was so loaded that, and we're talking about this game, I'm not even mentioning Jedrick Wills, who is you know from that class and who's going to be a top five, probably top 10 pick in next week's draft. Travis, I'll send you out with this. I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times. If, if Jalen hurts either plays better in the first half of that game or doesn't get benched, like regardless of the outcome uh, of what happens in the second half, what is your prediction for what happens with Tua? Hmm. He said he, he, he said he thought he might transfer. Yeah, I think, I think it really, I think Tua stays for the following spring um, and and goes through that competition and kind of gets a feeling for where he sits coming out of that following spring. Uh, but who knows where it goes from there because he absolutely has been on record as saying that even by the end of that true freshman season, he was giving consideration to transferring. So, um you know, I, I I think that what what my my vision of what would have happened next would have been Tua's back for the spring, goes through the spring. Um, does Tua buy off on? Well, we're going to let this thing go into fall camp, which is pretty much 
the MO for any college coach in a situation like that. Try to extend it into fall camp because you want to maintain that that standard of competition, but you also are trying to maintain your quarterback roster as you get into the fall semester. So would Tua have hung around for all that? I don't know. Uh, but I think the spring would have been absolutely critical to the future of Alabama's offense and specifically whether or not Tua tonga Vailoa would have hung around for another two years. Good stuff from Travis Ryer, senior analyst at Bama Online. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. That was Travis Ryer, Alabama analyst for Bama Online. In all, Tua was 14 for 24 in this game for 166 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. In 2018, he would go on to set the NCAA's passing efficiency rating and come oh so close to winning a Heisman. He also exits college football as the all-time career leader in touchdown percentage. He will be a first-round pick. April 23rd, as will Jerry Judy, as will Henry Ruggs, as will offensive tackle Jedrick Wills. Jedrick was in that 2017 recruiting class but did not play against Georgia and wasn't a full-time starter until 2018. Now he could be a top 10, top 5 pick. Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, Alex Leatherwood, and Dylan Moses, who was a stud as a freshman but was hurt for this game, which which was a little bit of unfortunate foreshadowing, are back at it for another go in 2020. Now let's talk with Rusty Manziel of Dogs 24-7, who tells us what scouts are getting wrong about Jake Fromm and why Jacob Eason has much more in common with Jalen Hurts than you might think. Oh, and also about how DeAndre Swift fit in with that star-studded Georgia running back room. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Rusty, it's pretty cool to look at this 2018 Alabama-Georgia national title game early January of 2018. Of course, they would play again in, in December and see all the star talent on the field and all of those guys who were almost household names by their true freshman season. Of course, so I want to start with Jake Fromm. There was a time before he got picked apart by the draft scouts that Jake Fromm wasn't regarded as this sort of limited guy and in fact the narrative in the 2017 season was how Jake Fromm was just a winner and then of course he kind of took the next step in 2018 too but but in this title game as a freshman Jake Fromm was really 
I mean, there was he didn't have his best game, Rusty, but there was what he did all season was nothing short of impressive, taking over in a really tough situation, and then proving that he was probably the better fit for Georgia than Jacob Eason, who for years had been considered the heir apparent. So take us back to Jake Fromm at a time when he wasn't this this guy that NFL scouts like to dunk on. Yeah, that's a very good point. When you when you look at the games when he came in, um, and Let's just say Jacob Eason comes in that first series and, you know, the first two plays, it was a, you know, a bad throw, to be honest with you. And then they had to run the ball and third down, he gets hit. And then when I think the second series, I believe, and then Jake Fromm comes in and immediately it's just kind of more of a fast paced. Uh, he looks comfortable. And that was the buzz around the entire spring of him that this guy's ready to play. I knew that from watching him in high school. I knew he was ready to play. Uh, we got a chance to you know spend a week with him in Texas. There was a lot of time, and we all saw it. We all saw this. The future draft projections. There were there were people projecting him at that point to be the number one pick in this draft uh, coming out. You know, a couple years ago, but we knew because we had him in Army. There was going to be some things down the line, and specifically hand size, and that's what he's facing right now. A little bit of that, uh, and didn't have his best junior year. But man, Jake from uh, 2017 was that guy. Yeah, so what do you think the draft people are getting wrong about Jake Fromm? I'm sure you agree with some of their criticisms, Rusty, but you've known him for so long. You've watched him for so long. What are they getting wrong? How much he loves football. When, when, you, when you start separating these people and these guys and these players, does that, does that guy really want to do it in the offseason? Does he really want to, to lead? Does he really... Uh, this is all Jake. From, he's a hunting, fishing country boy. Is what he is. Let's boil it down. He competes. But he loves football. He loves it. He's going to give you every ounce to get better. Uh, there is some limited, some limited physical abilities, and I agree with that. You know, I, I, I think Jake would sit down and say, "Look, you know, so and so's got bigger hands. He's a bigger athlete. He's faster." I talked to a couple SEC coaches in the offseason, and the biggest thing they tell me, the most consistent thing they tell me, it's so hard to fool Jake Fromm. It's so hard to fool him. you got to disguise everything because if you give him a throw, he's going to make it. And that's where Jake Fromm is going to make his money. When he gets his opportunity uh, in the situation, he's got to be in the right situation. I, I do think, uh, you know, I've heard it, it – thrown around he's going to have to play in a controlled environment with the weather i'm not sure he can drive the ball in buffalo or new england uh, but you give him a dome and look what he did in those dome games I mean, he was pretty good in those dome games uh, you give him good weather where he can drive the ball and and play well jake Fromm's mind is his most valuable asset that sort of seems like the inverse scouting report of jacob eason who is another quarterback in that game in the title game obviously was on the sideline was recovering from an injury. And when you look at the guys who were quarterbacks for their team that season, you've got four NFL draft picks in this title game on this field with uh, Jalen Hurts and Tua. Jacob Easton is a guy who you've also known for a long time. Before he got injured, he was George's heir apparent. He was the next Matt Stafford. What's your What's your read on him? I don't under you know did you, how did Georgia fans feel about him as well? I'm you know I never really have gotten a good gauge on that. They love him. They love him. 
for coming from the West Coast to Georgia. They love him for helping recruit that 2016 class. They love him for, uh, you know, what he did his freshman year. Even though it wasn't great, you know, he won some games. And um, I, I talked to his dad recently, and, and, and the thing was, his, Tony, his dad, told me, you know, Jacob's going to move to Georgia, the state of Georgia. He loves this state. How he handled that situation, that walking off the field in that national championship game where he waited – at the locker room entrance for Jake Fromm to come in and put his arm around him and walked in with him, says all you need to know about what type of person and teammate Jacob Eason is. Now, the scouting report is the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite of Jake Fromm because Jacob Eason has, if not Trevor Lawrence, Jacob Eason has the best arm I've ever seen in person. And the ball comes out of his hand and it looks like a fast, it looks like a baseball. It's, it's, it's one of those things you never forget the first time you see him throw. And I've seen him throw six or seven, eight times in those settings, and you watch him in games. Now, you know, the question on Jacob Eason is how much does he love football? Is, is football his avenue to kind of chill and, and live a good lifestyle? Or is he ate up with it where he's 24-7, seven days a week, and he's got to be the leader of an NFL team? That's the questions on Jacob Eason. How much does he – Truly love the game, but you look at physical with Jacob Eason, that that guy's what six five and a half, and, and when you say you got a bazooka strapped to your shoulder, Jacob Eason has got a, a bazooka strapped to his shoulder because I'm telling you, when that ball comes out of his hands, it it it's something that you will never forget. And and um, you know Trevor Lawrence, it's real easy, it's effortless, and you look at Trevor Justin Fields same way. I mean. Justin may not quite have the the the, the 140 miles an hour Jacob Eason's got, but certainly with, with arms, those three guys are ones that just they just throw ropes, man. When you see it in person, and it is something to see. I'm glad you mentioned that Jacob Eason Jake Fromm moment after the title game. I've never heard that story. Of course, Alabama wins, and you and you the story is how Jalen Hurts handles himself with Tua Tungavailoa. And I never really have heard that that part of Jacob Easton, so that, that's cool to hear because you know from the outside you never know, uh, but you know how how into it a guy is who's clearly going to transfer. But I do think it's cool that he stayed the course and he was still on that team. Let's talk about Swifty. DeAndre Swift was a five star in the class of 2017, which which was a class that produced Jake Fromm, produced Andrew Thomas, another first round pick, likely Isaiah Wilson, a possible first rounder. DeAndre Swift was. On that Georgia team, the third running back behind Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, kind of a, an immediate impact guy, though Rusty. Immediately, the the word was, and you know, I, I I didn't get a chance to see him in high school, but one week at the Army All American game, and I remember the first day standing there with Steve Wiltfall, and I said, this this guy has got some juice to him, and I meant how quick he was to the hole. Uh, I didn't know he had that type of top end speed until. Uh, the Auburn game, obviously that handoff in the SEC championship. When you do what he did to an SEC caliber, or to a very, very good Auburn team, uh, just run off and lead those guys for like a 70-yard touchdown run, it's hard to do. But DeAndre Swift, it's it's he's a three-down back, man. He's got he's hard to tackle balance. Uh, what separates him a little bit from the others is that home run speed because – these NFL teams don't want to take a guy in the first – they don't want to take a running back in the first round. They don't want to. DeAndre Swift is making them take him because he's a one. He's that one percentile guy that can play three downs. He can pass block. I went back and watched a Florida game looking at other people the other day. 
one of the most important plays was a third down conversion from Jake Fromm late in the game. You know who made the key block on a linebacker? It was DeAndre Swift stepping up and giving himself up for, for, for Jake Fromm to have another second to make the throw he needed. And NFL teams, absolutely. Who are they protecting? Their quarterback. And when you got a guy that will stick his face up in there on a blitzing backer to protect a quarterback, that's another bonus. You're pretty close with uh, so many Georgia guys, uh, a lot of former Georgia players, Chubb and Michelle. Rusty, when you when you talk to them about about DeAndre Swift, and I'm just taking a shot here. I don't know if you have. I'm assuming you might have. You know anything they say about DeAndre that stood out to you? And, and I'm I'm talking about something they might have said a few weeks ago, or something they might have said. You know when DeAndre was a freshman. Yeah, when I talked to Nick, I think um, I talked to him a couple weeks ago on a text message. He is actually home now, working out, but uh, which is like 15 minutes from here. But I haven't seen him in person, obviously, during this time. But good for you. Uh, yeah, and I'm not messing with Nick Chubb. I'm, I'm not going to be that guy that hurt the Cleveland Browns. Um, I'll tell you this. The one thing I remember last year, Nick, telling me about uh, DeAndre was he was eager. He always listened. When they were talking, you know, that was a guy that would look you in the eyes, and they knew that he was listening to them uh, because th- those two guys carried – so Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Davin Bellamy, and Lorenzo Carter, with, and Roquan Smith were the five guys that carried all the weight in the locker room. And off the field. Kirby Smart would go to those five guys. If he needed something, he would go to those guys. So Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle had a good pulse on that team, and they knew that DeAndre Becker, not not just because of physicality, because they knew the desire was there, uh, that heartbeat was there, that guy was going to get after it. You look at his dad, it looks like a, a WWE wrestler. You know uh, the physicality is not going to be a problem. But again, you throw in the ability to catch the ball, you throw in the ability to miss Make people miss in small spaces. Watch how many people miss him in a very small space, and he extends a play. So I knew that from Nick telling me, because Nick doesn't talk very much, but when Nick kind of stood on the table for him, uh, I had a chance to spend some time with DeAndre and Andrew Thomas, ironically, and Trevor Lawrence and Derek Derek Brown at a camp this summer in July in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I remember sitting there talking to them uh, just kind of, you know, round table in a room, just kind of us six guys there talking. And li- it was interesting listening to those guys tell stories and talk. And the person that was asking all the questions was DeAndre Swift. His mind is always working. I think he's going to impress or has impressed NFL scouts because he is very, very uh, wants to learn. He has that eagerness about him. Yeah, Swift had four carries for 15 yards and two receptions for seven in this title game. was was kind of clamped up, as was Nick Chubb. Sony Michelle had almost 100. Rusty, a few more questions. Andrew Thomas was a starter in the national title game at right tackle. He was part of a really great offensive line class uh, in 2017. And, of course, Georgia had, you know, every year is a really great offensive line class. And we actually hung out with Andrew for, for a few minutes uh, this past summer as well at the SEC Media Days. When his stock seemed like you know he might be the first offensive tackle taken, what's the trajectory of his career been like as an NFL prospect? Obviously, a freshman starter at Georgia is a big deal. Do you think any reason why Rusty in the last you know few months he's gone from you know OT one to maybe OT three? Um, you know, they just start picking apart these kids. You know, when you look, there, there's he's going to go in the top 12. I mean, I would be fairly shocked if he doesn't go in the top 12. You know, they say the four tackles are going to go off with Werfs and, and Andrew Thomas and Becton. 
and Willis from from Wills from Alabama. I think they start trying to pick things a little bit apart with them. You know, you've met Andrew Thomas. You've sat down with Andrew Thomas. We did in Birmingham. I've known Andrew Thomas since he was a ninth grader. What I know about Andrew Thomas, he came from Pace Academy, one of the highest. It's a private school in Atlanta. It's Arthur Blank School. It's where Arthur Blank puts his money into from Home Depot. Um, Chris Slade, I think he was number two pick in the entire draft in 1990. He's their head coach. So there is a wealth of knowledge there uh, about the NFL and how to prepare uh, if that's your ultimate goal. Andrew Thomas is a guy, and I'll tell you this, when Kirby Smart has a donor meeting, I think the University of Georgia has a donor meeting every year, the big the big donors. They come to practice. They have a dinner to stadium. Uh, and I think they do this in the spring. Uh, they come to the stadium, have a big reception that night. When Kirby Smart got a chance to trot out one person in front of them to represent his team, his program, it was Andrew Thomas. And that says a lot. He was a business major. Uh, he has big-time goals, past football. But again, knowing Andrew Thomas and knowing what I do, the advantage I know, I've known him so long, the kid loves football. He loves to work out. He loves to compete. And the, the tape against Alabama in two games is going to be really big for him, I think. I guarantee you this. It would not shock. If he goes 10 to Cleveland, that's where I think he ends up. But if he gets past 10, it will surprise me. It will shock me if he gets past 12. Rusty, I'll send you out with this. Let's kind of reminisce about this 2017 Georgia recruiting class that is the pipeline for what we'll see in the draft on April 23rd. And I remember, like, so this class ranked third overall. And this is kind of right when Kirby was getting things going. And they had not yet had a number one class. That would come in 2018. The vibe for this 2017 class, I remember you kind of wrangling all these guys together in San Antonio at the Army All-American Bowl. They were really willing to participate in everything. I remember Richard LeCount, who who returned for his senior season, so you'll see him on the f- football field this fall. It's just kind of an absolute delight. Jake Fromm was always kind of this glue guy, this presence who always had a smile on his face. And the next in the next few years, Georgia would start to get these number one classes, and, and Justin Fields would be the headliner there. And it kind of felt a little bit different. But back then in 2017, this was sort of Georgia's, you know, this just this awesome class with a lot of fun guys. Am I hitting the nail on the head? What do you, what do you think about when you think about the 2017 Georgia class? Well, you, you first of all, you got a character like Richard LeCount, and you, you've been around him. And anybody that's in a room of Richard LeCount knows that he's he is a, uh, a vibrant personality. I mean, he is always talking. He's always cutting up. He loves football. I will never forget, and I'm sure I'll tell this story a million times before it's over with. I went to see Trevor Lawrence versus Richard LeCount in the state quarterfinals. Both teams undefeated. Huge game. Richard LeCount is playing safety for Liberty County. In the first three series, he is talking so much junk. I mean, I'm standing on the sideline with Eric Richards from the Army All-American game, and we're dying laughing because Richard is in Trevor's ear. I mean, he is literally on the field going, Trevor, don't throw this ball. Well, after it was 21 to nothing, basically, on three drives, Trevor had scored. I remember Richard coming in line of scrimmage and going, hey, man, I was just kidding. Let's calm all this down, you know, during the middle of the game. And I'll never forget that part about Richard. But uh, he is so physical, uh, competes. He was kind of – Jake Fromm and Richard LeCount were kind of the two guys that got everything together and got that class together. Uh, they were they were key in DeAndre Swift. In fact, I've got a great picture I'll send you sometime – 
Uh, it was a summer camp. It was in uh, June of 2017. It was hot, very, very hot day. Two things I remember. I remember Georgia working out Isaiah Wilson and me thinking this guy's never coming here because he was six foot six, probably 380 pounds, and he ran about three reps that morning and about died. I mean, he, <laughs> he had to be thinking this is the the jungle compared to the humidity in Brooklyn, New York. It was so hot. And I remember Sam Pittman working him out. The kid didn't make it through a workout. And I was like, there's no way this guy's going to be here. And that's why he redshirted, and his body completely changed, and here he is who he is. But I remember Jake Fromm standing under a tent and Georgia recruiting staff bringing DeAndre Swift over, and those two basically hugging, high-fiving, and Fromm's first words was, man, I got to have you. And it wasn't much longer after that, about two or three weeks later, uh, that video, the Rocky video that he made running through the streets of Philadelphia, which was very cool. Uh, he committed to Georgia, and uh, that's kind of two moments I'll kind of remember from that summer. And those class, those guys were key pieces. But Andrew Thomas, um, you know, I tell Barton all the time, we didn't know. But after we left that Army All-American week and watching him versus Chase Young and, and all those guys, we knew. That's a fun story. I love when you send me this This will sound weird. When you send me photos, I love it because – like the, you always have these photos, like these old photos of these now household names, like the Trevor Lawrence buzz cut photo that you sent me a few months ago is one of my favorites. <laughs> he hates when I do that. I got a great, uh, what's up was, as we go forward, I got a great t-shirt story that, uh, I made him get one day at a camp and, uh, he kind of wore it into a, a rival area high school that he was playing against and that didn't go well, but it's fun covering all these kids, but like you said, that Georgia class, um, you know, Jake Fromm, uh, all those guys, DeAndre Swift, Richard LeCount, Isaiah Wilson, uh, they were all – and listen, even though he's at another school, Jeremiah Holman was a big piece of that. And he had a great – you know, he had a great uh, sophomore year. And, and, then, and then some incidents got him out of Georgia, and, you know, he's down at FIU now. But he was another kid that was kind of a ringleader in that class. But I agree with you. They were very cool. Look, you remember, if we were sitting there that night, remember Trey Bishop committed – we're in the we're in our media room, and they they basically bring Trey Bishop Bishop down and say, "Hey man, this kid wants to commit to Georgia right now." So well, let's go down the hall and do it. So we go Facebook Live on twenty four seven Sports, you know, and and the kid they basically got him there and said, "Look, you're not going anywhere else. You're going to commit to Georgia." So when he, we were sitting there, Nate McBride, Andrew Thomas, uh, Jake Fromm, DeAndre Swift, they drug him downstairs. You know, I put the camera on. Facebook Live and a kid committed right there on the spot. They, they had they were the whole act. I mean, Richard was leading how they want to do this. And I remember the kids like, let me call my mom first. So he called his mom, got permission. By that time, Richard had choreographed everything. I just hit live on the phone and there it went. Yeah, that Georgia class, like those guys were in the hotel lobby, the like the media room. They were hanging out the entire time. Like Richard LeCount, I remember several of us were throwing the football with him in the media room. And it's it's funny to think about that class was probably the defining class of that Army All-American week. The other defining storyline was was uh, where, where will Najee Harris go and, and us kind of leaning on Tua, a very young Tua Tungavailoa who showed up wearing uh, uh, Hawaiian shorts or like a swimsuit or something, um, asking Tua for info on Najee. So the parallels here with George Alabama are great. Rusty Manziel, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're the best. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That was Rusty Manziel with Dogs 24-7. So Fromm would finish his career as one of the best quarterbacks in Georgia history, 78 career touchdowns, ranking second all-time. And he did manage to hold off fields the next season. You knew that. But Fromm never did cash in on the offseason hype he had entering 
2019 this past fall, and, and rather than lead Georgia to the playoff while making a run at a Heisman and a top 10 NFL selection in the process was somewhat of a disappointment, turning in career lows in completion percentage, yards per attempt, and passer rating. And Swift, for his part, never commanded the Georgia running back room quite like a Chubb, a Michelle, or a Gurley, but he was never not one of the best players in the country, even if his stats, no more than 10 rushing touchdowns in a season, no more than 1,300 rushing yards, never popped off the page. I hope you've enjoyed this week's rewind on the College Football Daily. Go rewatch it. It's on YouTube. Alabama-Georgia 2018 national title game. you got to be specific with that search, though, because they would play again in 2018. They would play again in Atlanta, and they would again see Alabama make a thrilling comeback, although this time it was Jalen Hurts. You got to etch just a little bit of validation in his career storybook. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Drop us a review. Tell us which game we should rewind next. For Travis Ryer, for Rusty Manziel, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We'll see you next time on the next edition of the College Football Daily. here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.